Welcome to Live the Fuel. Welcome to Live Welcome the Fuel. To Live the Fuel. Focusing on health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney. Good day and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another Live the Fuel podcast show. So today, I'm bringing on a new co-host again for you guys and ladies. And uh, But today, we're bringing on, and here's a quick little bio. Uh, we've got a real estate mogul, millionaire coach, and creator of several multi-million dollar businesses, including Good Life Luxury, The Paperless Agent, and most recently, Wealthy Wealthy. And we're going to have some fun with that one, by the way. So it's wealthywealthy.life, but we'll spell that out for you guys. But she is also an international speaker and the award-winning author of the Amazon bestseller, Falling for Money. And a romance novel for your bank account here. So uh, I'm actually going to have some fun with this one because I would love to fall in love with my bank account. (laughs) So named one of the 100 most influential real estate leaders in the country. She has been featured in USA Today as well as by Apple, Contactually, and Evernote, which we were just discussing before I brought her on today, uh, for her creative leadership with emerging technologies. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Christina Wise. Oh, it's an honor to be here. I'm looking forward to, to our talk today. I know. I'm excited. We finally got to connect up. I feel like you talked so long ago, but what was it over a month ago already? Probably. Time yeah. flies these days. I mean, I just got back from Africa, so I was gone for there for like two weeks. So it was like, okay, my whole calendar in my head is completely thrown off. So for our listeners, guys, and I remember we, we do record video here. Uh, she's actually outdoors, which I absolutely love, part of that healthy lifestyle balance. So what's the weather right there right now? Well, I'm actually in San Diego at the moment love for it. the holidays. So I'm just outside, and it's probably 75 degrees and perfect and beautiful. So I, why be inside when it's perfect outside? Yes. I actually just aired um, two episodes uh, where I actually I brought my podcast gear to Africa and recorded a couple episodes there just – like living in the moment, like you said, you're in Love the moment. That. Why sit in an indoors when you could be outside? So, so where in San Diego are you? Because I love San Diego. I've been there n- numerous times. Yeah, Mission Valley area. Yeah, I love Mission Valley. Oh, yeah, I'm jealous. I'm very jealous. It's a little cold here in, in uh, Eastern Pennsylvania, so uh, I'll be heading into New York City like I always do. Uh, actually, tomorrow night I'll be up there for an annual charity event that I participate in for the. This will be my seventh year. Uh, going up there so oh nice do they have the tree and get everything set up when you're there uh admittedly i never have time to check on mm-hmm. that uh this right. is this is an event that i found a, a wonderful lady her name is uh sister mary lanning she runs a not-for-profit called yes with an exclamation point solutions and i met her in a cafe back in 2010 and and started talking with her and found out that over 35 years ago she started a effort to feed the less fortunate or the, you know, the low income residents of the Harlem, New York area. So we every year get together and create meals from scratch for 2000 meals and then serve them on the morning of Thanksgiving. So we literally get the, we start shipping meals to the street. Everything is served hot and we're not like giving meals. We're actually inviting people to have Thanksgiving uh, dinner, so to speak, with us, but obviously in the morning. <laughs> and this goes on all day until they give away all the food. It's awesome. That's incredible. Yeah, she's an amazing woman. So, uh, but anyway, enough about. I love Mary. She's awesome. Uh, but anyway, back, more about you. <laughs> so, <laughs> why are we romancing our bank accounts? I mean, seriously. 
I mean, it sounds great to me, but what's up with that? It's funny when I really worked to name the book Falling for Money and even, you know, romanticizing your bank account, I got a lot of flack for it because people are saying, oh, money and romance, that's wrong or, or love and money. And, and a lot of people took exception to it. And so I really vacillated. I mean, maybe is, is that a bad name for the book? Because my intention behind it, because I guess because the objection was fall in love with your money. That's a terrible thing. How could you even say that? I've heard <laughs> this many times. Yes. So you understand. And, and I almost changed the name because I, I did. I got a lot of resistance. But finally, I thought, no, that is the mission, right? It's, <laughs> it's to help people understand it's okay to fall in love with your money. Money is fundamental to living. We cannot live without it. Mere survival requires money. I agree. So why not love money just like we love every other aspect of our life that's really important? Our health is important. We need to love ourselves so that we pay attention to, to our health. Because if we don't love ourselves, it's easy to abuse ourselves, right? You and I have had a lot of conversation offline about how important health is. Mm -hmm. and, but it's, there's nothing wrong with loving yourself, right? So everything is, everything I think comes from a source of love that's important. So love yourself, then you're more inspired to take care of your health. Love your money. So you're more inspired to take care of your finances and your financial future and your financial security and the finances of your, your household and your kids and your legacy. Fall in love with your relationships so that you're more likely to, to pay attention and spend time and be present. So all of it, I think, is an act of falling in love. And why do we take objection to that? Like there's something wrong with loving oneself. Like that's really selfish. Is there's something wrong with loving your money. That's terrible. Or there's something wrong with loving others the way, you know, a certain way. So anyway, I just went back to what I was inspired to do is my mission is I want people to fall in love with their money so that they'll take better care of it. Well, and I can personally attest to you because I, that's why I love ever since I launched a podcast, because I, I truly feel it's helped me dig deeper into my obsession with personal and professional development. And part of that is that I have always struggled with money. Uh, I obviously not as much as I used to, I've obviously been able to dig out of that, but the, the mistakes were still made. The challenges were still there. And all of the self-work that I've studied, the books I've read, uh, I mean, I've been lucky enough to I believe, you know, I talked about him before, the author, Michael Michalowicz of The Prophet First. I've implemented his system into my business now. That was a huge move this year. Um, I mean, something as simple as, for some of our listeners, they might be independent entrepreneurs, and not everybody knew, like me, I didn't know when I first started, like, oh, maybe you should be setting aside money to pay your quarterly taxes. <laughs> so you're not freaking out when it comes tax time, because it is our, I mean, for the US-based listeners here, we have people overseas as well, but you should be paying your taxes every single year, but you should be also prepaying them every quarter as an independent. So all these little components, all these things I, I used to see as a struggle, because I fought, I fought it. I, I wasn't, I, I was taught the same way. Like, oh, you're not supposed to love the money. You're, you know, you shouldn't make it that much of a priority. You should have, you should find purpose in life. And then the money will follow. Uh, how many times have you heard that one, right? Like, it, and I get it. I love it. I'm all about purpose in life. I'm all about helping people find purpose in what they're doing, whether it be health, business, lifestyle. But to your point, you still got to have money to survive. You got to pay the bills. We're not saying you got to be a multimillionaire. I mean, unless that's one of your goals, but you still have to find a way to embrace it and understand it. And that's what I'm getting out of you right now. It's like, hey, it's okay. 
Well, it's okay. And it's also to understand that that money is neutral. Money is just an object. It's just a thing. It's a currency. It's something that we use to exchange goods and services. It's a very efficient way to exchange. So money has no emotion. Money is just this thing we've invented, like I said, as a currency to exchange my goods for your services and vice versa. Oh yeah. Let's pause on that. Let's pause on that because most of the financial books that I've read, they do somewhat hint on this, but they don't dig enough deep enough into it. Let's really help our listeners understand this. Like the, the biggest piece here of the whole money is an object, so to speak. It is a form of, of, of exchange. Let's go back. If you go far enough back, far enough back, before money existed, you exchanged goods and services. It was a bartering system. If, let's, let's, let's study our history. And then to be fair, especially here in the US of A, once we left the gold standard, Money is just a a concept, I guess. I mean, how would you, since you've actually written about this, like how would you define that better for our listeners? Because I think this is an important piece that a lot of books I've read don't dig enough into to help people really understand, like, guys, money is not real. I've literally had people actually say that. <laughs> it's really not. And I mean, we could go deep into the weeds on that one. But to your point, we use money for efficient Marked to for marketplaces is an efficient tool to, of exchange. And so back in the day, if you had cows and I had chickens I and I needed milk and you needed eggs, we somewhere had to find each other to exchange those two things. And so it was very inefficient to exchange goods and services because if I had eggs and you had milk, but I needed milk and you didn't need eggs, we weren't going to be transacting. So then I'd go down the street. And so the currency that we use, it just money is an exchange currency that now instead of having to find if I have eggs and you have milk and I need milk, I don't have to barter my eggs. I can just pay you a dollar for your milk. True. And it makes, and it, makes it much easier. So, I mean. It opens up the marketplace. It opens up the marketplace. And so Black Friday, so it's coming up. Oh, gosh. And people are, right? And people are going to be exchanging. Don't forget about Cyber Monday. And Cyber Monday, <laughs> their currency to consume something that they find is very important. And then, but that's the exchange. If it were a bartering system, this Amazon thing wouldn't work. The shopping mall thing wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. But the point, I, you know, part of the takeaway that I hope, you know, can be um, listened is that that money is just, it really is a tool. It's something that we use, an object we use so that we can transact. Meaning money has no emotion. Money is basic math. And, and, but what we do as human beings is we, we're narratives, we language, we have emotions, we have stories. So how we react to money and act with money is really all based on the story we have about money. And that typically comes from our history, how we grew up, like anything that might be a little bit unhealthy or dysfunctional. We grew up in certain environments. If we've never really looked at those or worked on those, that's what personal and professional growth is, is to take some of those dysfunctions or those old belief systems, learn something new and replace old with new. If we think the new is going to, if the new by replacing the old is going to serve us better in life, that's what personal growth is. But we don't do personal growth with things like money, meaning we have these narratives, we have these stories that we've acquired mostly from our childhood, and then we're convinced by our culture 
that if money's a bad thing or our parents argued of money over the time or we're in a consumption culture, whatever those stories are, we attach it to this thing called money and then money becomes so emotionally charged. So something that's just like, is the same thing as this pen that has no emotion to it. You and I aren't going to get emotional over this pen, but we'll get emotional over a dollar bill. It's because we have a story about a dollar bill. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Does it make people greedy? Does it make people happy? I don't have it, but you do. So I want some of what you have because that that's not fair. So all of that is just narrative and story that's completely made up that we've usually acquired from the way we grew up, that if it's never looked at, if it's never addressed, if we don't try to work through it, we're gonna keep those, assuming they're unhealthy patterns and beliefs and psychologies with money, we will continue them for the rest of your life. Oh, I'm still breaking mine. I mean, I I agree with everything you're discussing to our listeners, guys, like she's hitting the nail on the head. I mean, I guarantee, there is a large quantity of you out there that are vibing right now. And I'm going to go ahead and be the honest one here because I said I love being transparent. I am that guy. Like, I grew up, my parents never really owned property. Like, they were always renting. To be fair, I've actually read a book about that. Some people actually recommend that as a form of investment. Like, you don't actually own it. That's a whole different conversation. But, you know, I, my, my, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. I saw the struggles when business is good and business is bad. And then I also saw the whole... I just, I was never really taught properly how to save. And then there's other people that I'm talking to in my childhood as I grew over where it's like grow up and it's like, oh, well, then you learn about scarcity mindset, right? You don't reflect on that until you're older. But now I look back now and I'm like, oh my God, I I learned the scarcity mindset around money. Like, oh my God, like be careful, you'll lose it, et cetera. And so now all of myself and professional development over the past five, 10 years Everything has been trying to break that and grow beyond that mindset and learn to embrace, as, as you hinted, love money and love it as a tool and as a system to grow myself and my fiance and our, and our life moving forward. And that takes time. Let's be real. I mean, not everybody can just snap their fingers and you're, you're good to go, right? You can't read just your book. And I mean, I mean, I'm sure it's that powerful, but <laughs> I think our listeners also need to understand that it's going to take time to break these behaviors, would you agree with this? It absolutely takes time. And these are embedded stories that, you know, the way we learn as kids through modeling. So we got to see our parents, the, the arguments you might have seen, good months, everybody was happy, bad months, there was conflict. And so you're modeling and you think it's scarce or, you know, people, money must be this bad thing. So my parents are arguing over it. There's what our parents tell us, what we listen, just sort of those, those subliminal messages that are put in our, our heads as kids. You know, they might just say money's a bad thing or, you know, greedy people, rich people are greedy or, you know, whatever was being said at the dinner table. We don't think of it, but those are embedded and they become our mindset. Mm-hmm. Everything that really happens, we model and whatever becomes our mindset. So, you know, we're all fairly dysfunctional as young adults. And we're trying to navigate in the world. But the thing is, is that in many of these places in life, we realize you know, that's old patterns. I want to do better in relationships. So I'm going to study relationships or try to do something there. But there's never really a conversation that, that, hey, I have a screwed up mindset with money and this money thing is completely sabotaging my life. Maybe I should go learn something about money. Mm-hmm. We just think money's going to figure itself out. 
And then you get in a relationship and you're getting engaged like you, and then you don't have conversations about money. Like what are my beliefs and your beliefs and how do we grow up and what are your trigger points and what are my trigger points? Oh, I'm going through that right now. I mean, my, my, my fiance and I completely different upbringing. Like her father was a CFO. Her mother was the controller of the family's construction company. I mean, that girl's got no debt. I mean, she went to Cornell, UPenn, smart girl. I, I don't know how I landed this, um, but, <laughs> you know, we're engaged now. We're moving forward in our lives. And this is something that I have to embrace is that we have two different mindsets around money. And I've had to really drop my walls and allow her family's, um, I guess, knowledge around money to help myself grow. It's a different wavelength and at times there's a rub right i'm i'm not always willing to let a lot of the change happen or understand it but i also have to remind myself I'm like hey scott man you just didn't grow up that way it doesn't mean that my family is less than her family it's just that she was taught differently and i have to remind myself to stay open to that so yeah and she's one of the lucky ones really to yeah. have parents that that had really good money practices and were smart and built i mean very few of us had that we didn't learn money in school most of us didn't have any real upbringing any healthy conversations or or uh, and they don't teach it in school you're, stud you're studying economics like i i went to college for business mm -hmm. and marketing and, and psychology I studied micro and macroeconomics. It doesn't matter. That doesn't teach you anything about how to manage your money or no, how to what's saving and investing and what it's like to become an entrepreneur and blah, 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 blah. All this is just out there, man. We got to figure this out on our own. Well, yeah. And the problem is when it comes to money is money can't really be figured out. And I mean, I mean, it can be figured out when you study it. But it can't be seen. So it's one of those things, since it's it's a nebulous sort of thing, and now it's even more nebulous that everything's digital and it's just money in and money out, that we really don't even know what money is. It's just there's not enough of it. Oh, true. So, you know, is is really where we've become. So it's understanding that money really is a science. It has natural laws. It has fundamental parts to it. It's math. And that the bad news is it's like with anything in life if we weren't like your fiance where you were taught it from a young age and grew up with these knowing these principles and seeing it work and having great modeling and we're able to adopt that and incorporate it in life oh yeah she was never allowed to have debt like yeah so that's like one percent she I mean, sees me with a credit card with debt on it and she's just like oh my god like i how could you have money on sitting on your credit card and i just looked at her and i'm like what? <laughs> exactly. But she, she's one of the 1%. The rest of us are the 99%. Yeah, that I was like, because uh, that's what you do. And then, you know, yeah, yes, it is important to pay it off. I mean, but like she was taught that you pay that off like ASAP and you do not carry anything on there. And I'm like, wow, the programming is just impressive. I mean, just the behavioral commitment is what has blown my mind. I'm like, wow, she's really good at that. But granted, to your point, this was ingrained from childhood. Yeah, so. and she's the exception. I mean, that's like the rest of us didn't get that. Like, so she's so lucky because she's doesn't she's avoiding all the money mistakes the rest of us have made trying to figure it out and thinking, oh my God, how much more money would I have if I had that at her age versus, you know, starting out versus having to make every money mistake known to man until I finally learned the lessons and had to start a decade later. But let's tie this back to the healthy lifestyle piece since I know you and I geek out about this. So again, to our listeners, we just, she and I just got back from South Africa. We spent two weeks traveling and one of the things we actually did discuss was how 
Her parents have never been to Africa. They're now retired for about a year, and now they're planning their own trip to Africa. So we beat her parents to Africa. And the cool thing was we actually were able to double dip uh, because she found a veterinary conference down there because she's an equine vet for horses. So she found for the second week that there was an educational conference going on that she can go and rack up a bunch of her CEU credits that she's required to maintain for her doctorate. So it's like, wait a minute. So we're, we're, this is the entrepreneurial mindset, right? I'm like, wait, well, let's, I, do, I do her website and her marketing and everything else. So it's like, great, let's do a business slash personal trip. Um, but most importantly, she brought up the value of, she's like, you know, I'm actually realizing that I don't completely want to follow what my parents taught me. Not that she doesn't value what they taught her, but she doesn't want to wait until she's 70 years old or 70 plus years old to go to Africa. It's like, she's 35, I'm 40, like, let's go now. <laughs> like, why do we have to wait? And that's an interesting behavior, especially when it comes back to a healthy lifestyle balance. I'm just wondering how you reflect on something like that. Well, a little bit of that is generational. So there, and I do teach that. That's a, I mean, we can go so many directions when it comes to money. <laughs> And, uh, but that's something, there's a different mindset that's been embedded and it's what's called the retirement mindset. Mm. And it came from the industrial age and her parents are just, you know, they're on the edge of, you know, their parents were definitely in the industrial age and the entire, the money philosophy and practices that are still completely embedded into society today. And it's complete bullshit because it's, it's outdated. It's not set up for the future. We oh, just speak it, girl. It. Speak it. <laughs> we, we've just acquired it from our grandparents before that. And it's just one of those is the concept of retirement because what you did, Social Security and pensions in the day were set up. So, and it was all incentivized, but it was so that you started work at 22, you worked 40 years, you retired at 62, and you died at 67. You had more or less one job, and you had the guaranteed pension. The pension would cover about 80% of your living expenses. And, and so you didn't really have to save because you had your pension already built in. So we've not really, we've not, like the financial industry is still working off those same retirement yeah. principles. So part of the problem is the culture we're in is not in a conversation that that's an antiquated practice. Oh God, so it's I, completely different. So there, you know, I call it the retirement myth and I just call BS on it. So your fiance is exactly right. It's just that her, the, the narrative, the story was you work 40 years and then you retire and then you enjoy life. And that's part of that story. But that's just, we don't have to do that anymore. No. So now if we get out of the retirement story, then the narrative or the conversation is what I call the freedom number is, is let's establish, honey, you and I together, what's our freedom number? Meaning what's the number we get to where the money from our assets, the passive income distribution really pays for the cost of our living expenses and lifestyle, which means we need to probably have a conversation around how much money is enough. If mm -hmm. we break through it, that's great, but there is a number but if I ask people how much money is enough, the answer is always more. But part of the work I love doing with couples, especially those getting married, is really established. Like, what's the freedom number? Yeah. How what's that? What's that minimum nut? Like, what's? Yeah, what? Yeah. What is that net worth number? That if we had that, we really do get that place of, you know, quote unquote, financial freedom, where our, our asset income replaces our working income. We know that might still take thirty or forty years, but then how do we build that? And hopefully shorter. Hopefully it's twenty years. Mm -hmm. And but whatever well, mar market time. shift. You know, values change, real estate market shifts, you know, it's, it's going to yeah, eventually bounce back sooner or later. Today. 
And there's so much when you know how to money, what I call money on the investment side, you can multiply very quickly. But we've been taught in retirement financial system, set it and forget it, let it grow slowly over 8%. That's not the way to do money. You learn velocity of money, you use distributions, you put it back in, you know your number, you know how you're reinvesting. And it's very intentional. Because when you ha- when you love your money, you want to be in it. You want to touch it. You want to seal it. You want to feel it. You want to watch it grow. You get so excited. That's me. You make your decisions, right? Yeah. And it and then when you do that with your spouse, your future spouse, it's just so powerful because you know your number, what you're working towards, but you're not sacrificing number. You're not sacrificing your life to mm-hmm. get retired at an age. What you're doing is you're building your lifestyle into how much it costs to live our lifestyle while we know we still have our 20% that we're going to take off the top for our future freedom number so we can invest that. And I teach a bucketing system and teach an exact framework. But you're exactly right. It's finding this balance between, you know, people, what they do is they sacrifice today for that retirement number, for that retirement age in the future, or they sabotage their future self and won't have any money and any assets and only so security in order to live too much life today. So it's all through conversation and life by design and money by design to know your number. And then you just, you start working towards that. And that's the beauty of marriage. That's the beauty of life is to have these conversations and be in your life's work and make the money. And we're both in this joint goal together, which includes saving the money and bucketing that savings because we want to go to Africa this year. (laughs) But it's built into the framework of how much it costs to live our life, which includes to make sure we're taking 20% off the top for future self investments moving towards the freedom number we've established together as a couple. Yeah, I'm but loving my- that you're you're munching about the bucketing system. Actually, while you're saying this, I'm actually, for our YouTube watchers, I'll be, I'm going to share your site here. Again, to our listeners, though, make sure you check out Wealthy, the traditional spelling, and the second part, Wealthy, which is W-E-L-L-T-H-Y dot life as the website instead of .com. So it's wealthy, wealthy dot life. And that's what I'm sharing right now because I love you're geeking out about this because you, you, you're not messing around. I mean, you go to your site and boom, here we go. We got a whole money courses portfolio of opportunity that you, you're providing to your followers and to your, your clients here. I'm loving this. There you go, Millionaire Blueprint. So you have a lot of resources on here. Well, thank you. Well, real quick, just uh, since, I mean, I like I said, because you and your, you're getting married <laughs> and I really encourage to have really, really good money conversation in the design of your life, the design of your marriage, the purpose of your marriage, why get married, what is the philosophy of marriage to us? And then I call 10, 10 P's to power couple, which is part of my marriage and money course. It's not on there actually, but marriage and money is a really, is a piece I love talking about where I teach like fundamentally when, when we're working to get married, it's like, what are our promises to each other? And I call it the 10 P's. But what are our promises? What are our vows? Not the vows that are by rote or you say at the wedding, but what do we actually promise to each other that we're going to keep? We're making these, not we're, these are our personal vows that everything else is based off of. Then to have a conversation with money and life, but let's say, you know, especially in the framework of money, but what are philosophies? Like what is, what is our money philosophy? You had your philosophy where debt is bad and I had mine, which is just like, just survive and scarcity and, and so, but let's that blend, was me. Yeah, let's blend our two philosophies together to establish our philosophy of money. Meaning, there's aspects of yours that were great. Maybe there's aspects of mine. But, but the second P is what is our money philosophy, our life and money philosophy? And I and I pull from certain philosophies like we may need to sit down. And stoicism. <laughs> and so then the next the next P, the third P, is psychologies, and that's that emotional the, that friction. 
you have your psychology because you're one way and she has her psychology. And if we don't address those feelings, like I said, money's neutral, but our stories are highly engaged and emotional, right? Like yeah. it can be combat when it comes to money. And that's it, and all it's, it's happened. It has happened. I, like I said, I have no problem being honest. I mean, uh, it's, I, I've had to catch myself once I, I, it's usually my fire. She's cool. She's down to earth because she's calm. And then I, I see the opportunity to travel together and it's like, okay, cause I'm still digging out of my mistakes, right? I'm still yeah. wiping out a few remaining things and that takes time, but I'm impatient. I just want it done. <laughs> but then a trip opportunity comes up and I'm like, Oh, I don't want to miss an opportunity to grow together on that adventure. So I, I find a way to make it happen. I live in the moment. And I know that's that obviously if I didn't do that, if I, for example, if I had not gone to Africa, I could have taken that nut and knocked out another chunk of debt. But it's also, it's like, okay, well, it's also an opportunity to share an amazing experience in another country, you know, with my future wife. So it's like, okay, there's some priorities there. So yeah, but you have a story for, you have a goal and a story for getting out of debt. That's what's important. The problem is, is that debt has become such a normalized part of our, our country, our belief system, mm. our entitlement system, that we can't imagine having a house without a mortgage. We can't imagine having a car without a car payment. We can't imagine having an education without a student loan. We can't imagine having a credit card without a balance. And debt is so normalized that nobody... People oh, it's very unhealthy. It's very unhealthy. I, I, I have colleagues up in Canada and they're like what's the deal with you guys down there in car payments? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? Like, like everybody feels, feels like they have to go get the next nice car and have a car payment. And I was like, you know, it's funny you bring that up. I, I pretty much had a car payment most of my twenties and I'm so excited now. Cause I, my, I have flipped the mindset. I'm like, I can't wait to pay this car off that I have right now. And the dealership keeps calling me and trying to get me to come in and trade it in and get another car. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, it's, 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 here's the, here's, yeah, here's the exercise to go. It's just, we've normalized this debt thing. And so two thoughts on that is one, you have a, you have a desire to get out of debt. You have a plan, you're intentional. That's what's important. What's the problem is, is debts become so normalized is people don't have any narrative. I mean, it's just oblivious that they shouldn't be in debt. Which is where I was a few years ago. Cause I, you know, I, where I am today is still not perfect, but I wasn't here three years ago to your point i was one of those lost people (laughs) which all of us are because we weren't educated so it's not like we're bad people or we're doing something wrong it's just an obliviousness because it's it's invisible it's a lack of knowledge and i think it's also and pardon this term because i can't think of another one right now but i'm like it's ignorance right like i was ignorant to the fact that there was other knowledge out there that i had yet to attain that could help me get to the next level and grow beyond where I was. That's why I think it's so important that we do reflect back to where we were and where we are today. Cause I think a lot of people do realize they still feel like maybe they're not where they wanted to be, but it's like, also look at where you are. Look at what you've accomplished. If you've started that journey, like I've done uh, in reference to what you and I are talking about here today, which is let's say debt reduction, right? Um, getting truly in my mind, I, I label it as free. Uh, and actually, you might appreciate this. I have a term that I've been using more and more lately. I call it the freedom trifecta. And that is I want time freedom, location freedom, and financial freedom. And the financial freedom piece will fuel all those other components. And if I do everything right, each of those will fuel each other. That's the, It's like a full cyclical process. But money is important. I have to find a way to love that and ensure that happens. 
And it sounds like you've had this conversation many, many times with many, many people. <laughs> well, it's, it's just, you know, it's the one, the psychology two, I think you may personally, without looking at your books or something, I would agree with your decision to go to Africa because that's a once in a lifetime experience. As long as it's in the, as long as you know, okay, I'm making a trade-off. I'm trading off this for that, but people don't think of life as trade-offs, but you have a plan. That's the great thing. You have the knowledge, the plan, the intention, and you're going to get that. You will get the debt paid off mm -hmm. as opposed to most people just don't even know that that's important, but under not underneath that, when it comes to debt, it's that, you know, even if we learn like, oh, debt's a bad thing, or maybe I shouldn't be in debt, or these financial books tell me, or my wife doesn't want me to be in debt, or whatever it is, it's to understand why. And the why debt, why not have debt, is what's important. And that's really what's missing. And it's why not debt? Hmm. Why? Because we're bad people if we have debt? No, not necessarily. A lot of us are made to feel that way, depending on what you're reading or what you're watching or what you're hearing. Right. Let's be real. Like a lot of people, it's funny because like some of these financial gurus like are drilling that into you. What's that? Um, she's a best selling. That's is that Susan? What's that? Susie one? Orman. Right. Like I have a couple yeah. of buddies of mine that are very successful financial people and they can't stand her. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people can, but here's the reason why it's not, I mean, why not have payments? So what I, what I teach, for example, is that, uh, I mean, when you boil it down, the way to get rich is this simple. Spend less than you make. True. I mean, True. really. But but what happens with our lifestyles and the reason why we're paying too much is not that our expenses are too high necessarily. I mean, they are. But what gets us in trouble is something called payments. And what we're doing is we're making the banks rich and we're keeping ourselves poor. Right. Through something called payments. You're paying the bank first instead of yourself. Yes. And what that means is that all, I mean, anyone listening, just do a little bit of math for me. It's very simple math. And this is the reason why no debt. So let's even take the house payment off, but let's just do a car payment. Yeah, look at a car payment. Car. That's simple. A lot of people, unfortunately, oh, well, in this country have car payments or they yeah. dream, they dream to have a new car and have a car payment. <laughs> well, and people don't trade cars. They trade car payment for car payments. So they yeah. really have a car payment for most of their lives. Many families have two to three car payments once they have their kids on or cars. Or how about the uh, rolling over or the upside down vehicle? I, I had friends of mine, they had a Range Rover and the engine like gave out and they were still paying on it and it was just past the warranty period. So they, what else were they going to do? Like no one's going to take a blown motor Range Rover as a trade-in. So they had to go back to Range Rover and roll that. I mean, they both made plenty of money, so they weren't worried about it. But I'm looking at this and I'm like, oh, my God, the compounded interest. And you've just rolled an upside down vehicle into a new vehicle. I didn't even want to look at that. I was like, I that's that that freaked me out. <laughs> yeah, that's very normal. So if you take a car payment, then you add your credit card payment, then maybe a student loan payment. What I ask my beginner students to do is just add up your payments. Credit card payment, student loan payment, car payment. I got and all mine right here on my dry erase board. So you, we have our payments. Now add up those, and let's say it go it comes to two thousand or thousand dollars a month. Now take that thousand dollars a month or two thousand dollars a month and put it into a compounding calculator, just over twenty years and forty years. And all you have to do is look at. I call it. Um, 
uh, how much is your BMW? How much is your BMW costing you? So if your seven hundred fifty dollar BMW payment, if you paid yourself the seven fifty and invested it versus the BMW lease payment, that's all about our status and looking good and driving the right car. <laughs> at the end of twenty years, would be worth about six hundred thousand. At the end of forty years, would be worth like one point two million. Now add the credit card payments on that. We in adding compound though, we could be worth five million dollars at the end of forty years by just getting rid of payments, which is two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year of passive income. But what we're doing is we're making the banks rich by all these payments to live a lifestyle we can't afford, and we're keeping our current self and future self broke. That's crazy. That's that's why you don't have debt because there is a that's a choice. Do you want to make the banks rich to have the status in the car? And that's and what the banks lifestyle. are counting on. That's what. Of that's the best part. That's it's why like. We're a credit card in the mail every single day of course they here's want the great part money. go into a dealership right and the dealership's like oh well we submit your application for your loan to our select banks and then but you're made to believe that like well whoever approves you will let you know so they're telling you they're making you think like oh my god i really hope somebody approves me i hope i'm worthy enough for one of their banks in reality it's what bank is going to compete for the money that you're going to make off of you. That's what I, that's what I've learned now since that. I mean, I, so I completely agree with you. Like, that's why I don't care what kind of car I drive. I used to have an old Audi years ago. I'll never buy that again. I mean, I, sh I shouldn't say never, but the cost of repair on an Audi is just stupid. I love my Subaru. It's phenomenal. I'd rather spend my money on travel these days and adventures than what I'm driving. It just, yeah. And it's just like the car payment. It's just all these payments and it's, it's a payment for, to feel more important. It's a payment for status. It's not a payment that is four wheels that gets us from the grocery store and home. Therefore, the, the type of car doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to pay that car off and drive it until the wheels fall off while I'm building my financial freedom number. Because we're either paying ourselves so that we can get to financial freedom or we're making the banks for their financial freedom. Well, it's like on your website, you got learn, earn, thrive. And I was at the uh, Thrive Make Money Matter event again this year. This year was out in Vegas. And we talked about out there about money. And we talked about how, um, like, a lot of people don't realize that you, you, I don't give a crap about famous people. I could give a shit. Like, I, I'm like, oh, my God, if I run into Tom Cruise, I'd probably just laugh at him. Uh, but... <laughs> But they talk about how a lot of people don't realize these these people you um, hold to a higher standard or that you think are better than you and you're trying to achieve what they have. They actually tell you, like, listen, most of those famous actors and actresses that have the fancy cars and the fancy houses, they don't own any of it. It's all keeping up with the Joneses for status. They they're they are taxed out to the. I mean, just they they have very little cash flow. I'll just say that, and I'm guessing you could agree with that as well. Oh, absolutely. And, and most everything's illusion. And, and, you know, I always say, you know, you can have a beautiful car, like a Lamborghini and it's polished on the outside and it's beautiful. And people think that it's this Lamborghini, but if you open up the hood and the engine is there's no engine, hmm. it's just illusion, right? You can't drive the car and that people are living this lifestyles where it looks very beautiful on the outside, but there's no engine on the inside. So if I say, open your hood, that means open your books to me and I can call anybody's bluff within two seconds. Hmm. But, you know, so it's, I mean, no, most people don't have an engine inside that car. It's just, it just looks good. It's it, all show, it, no go. It's all show, no go. That's really well said. <laughs> but, but, 
You know, so it's just understanding that all those payments are keeping us broke in the long run and we're exchanging our future self-freedom, that financial freedom you talk about. And for money freedom is time freedom. So how you get time freedom is through money. I mean, the more money you have, the more time you have. Well, it's true. I mean, look look at how many people, and I'm, I was guilty of this. I was like, oh man, like I, I have to make more money, right? Well, do you? For like, that's what I'm hearing from you. It's like, well, do you have to make more money? Or do you just have to wipe out more debt so you have more money available, so to speak? Uh, or because like there's the flip side here. It's like okay, well, if I start taking, if you're like, oh man, I go get a second job, or if there are all these people who like, it's become a hero complex. They're they're out there saying, oh man, I had to pick up a second job to do this and do that. I'm like, well, did you really need a second job, or did you need to dig back into your books and figure out something else, or realize to your point, like you were saying about money and time freedom, what's your time worth to you? I don't want a second job. I don't want a third job. Uh, my master plan is when I wipe this debt out, then I have even more flexibility to choose who my clients are and how often I work. That's the exciting piece for me because then I have the that freedom trifecta. I want time freedom, location freedom. So if I got bored and... I want to go to Africa with my fiance and I can go work for a week while I'm there and not work, whatever, who cares, right? That's the freedom piece. Like have the freedom to do what you want when you want. And that's what I get out of all of this. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the finances are a big part of that. So, you know, mm. one thing I say is the, the, the easiest way to give yourself a raise is to lower your expenses. And it's the first place to start and just get tight and build from there. And as you know, but the problem is, is that, that because we're in the culture we have, which means just work more, do more, have more, work more, do more, have more, especially entrepreneurial mindset. But there's just this, again, it's mythical. And it's this belief that we have that's never been checked. It's just the answer to all my money problems is to make more money. Mm -hmm. And the answer to all our money problems isn't making any more money. How we get rich is all about how we spend. And you have to spend less than you make. And you can't have debt to do that because So the thing is, is income is just an accelerator. So the place to start is we have to set our expenses compared to our income and make sure our expenses are about not more than 50% of our gross income, because by the time we take out our investment and our savings, then we live off that lifestyle. And then if, as, as our lifestyle income increases, then relative to that, we're growing up slowly. But what people do is if you make $100,000 this year, now you just, I don't know, your, light, your business goes crazy and all of a sudden you're making two fifty dollars next year. What do people do? Do they keep their expenses the same on the dollars No, they adapt their lifestyle to it. A hundred percent. So it's called Parkinson's law of money. Yep. And Parkinson's law of money says expenses always rise to match income. And if we don't know that that law exists, it's again, it's just, we're oblivious to it. It just And happened. people don't know. I, I did that Nobody, years ago. We all have done it. Yeah. You and I were joking around about, um, not joking around, but seriously talking about the power of team building and things of that nature when it comes to entrepreneurship or just, I, I was a, I was a coach in, in T-Mobile, big wireless company. I, I managed teams in their call center uh, sector before I got into being an analyst with them. And I had 20, 30 person teams. We were constantly rotating every quarter. I was getting new staff all the time. And it was just, it was just a never ending cycle. But as I moved my way up in that company, I get promotions, I get raises. I was Parkinson's law, man. Like I just rolled with it. Oh, great. New promotion. Like the one time I got like a $12,000 bump. It's my first time ever. I had no college degree. And I'm like, holy crap, I'm making more money than my friends coming out of college. So I was like, 
oh, let's let's, let's finally get that nicer car. <laughs> I, I am. The, I was a classic example of that. I'm like, I just want to go back in time and just bitch slap myself upside the head. I was like, oh, I mean, I, I love that you're telling these stories. I mean, because I'm like you, I'd made every single mistake. And, and well, it's just- we're, we're human. Like you had to start from somewhere. That's what I love about you too, is you're being transparent. It's like to our listeners, guys, like, dude, she's real. Like she's made mistakes too. I've made all of them. I'm teaching others that hopefully they can avoid every single stupid mistake I made. But again, it's just because we're not taught and it's not obvious. And and once we learn, the great thing about money, the bad thing about money is it's, it's a skill and a science. So you really do have to spend some time learning a few things. The good news is, is it's not rocket science. Money is pretty darn easy. And all you have to do is learn the fundamentals and actually abide by its laws. And then you can't not become financially free. I mean, because it's all algorithms, it's math. And when you understand the formula, it's pretty darn easy. But you, it's just, it may go back to health. And we use health as a metaphor. If our goal is to be vibrant and healthy and and have a lot of energy and live a long time, we can't eat donuts for breakfast every day. I mean, we can't eat donuts for breakfast and macaroni and cheese for lunch and pasta and mashed potatoes and ice cream for dinner. Like the two are mutually exclusive. And so you just, if you, if the goal is to be physically healthy, guess what? You have to eat healthy food and there needs to be a little exercise, even when it's inconvenient. Well, and let's tie this back to... I, I, cause I've coached health uh, on and off for years now. And I, and people are like, Oh, well I can't afford that. Or I can't afford this. I can't afford that. Whether it be eating organic or clean eating or trying a new nutritional program with like a nutrition line that I work with, whatever it may be. And I'm like, well then where are your priorities at? Right. Cause like if you find that taking care of yourself and your family by ensuring you're physically and mentally healthy, thanks to your nutritional program, your rest, your recovery, your lifestyle, if that's not important to you, you seriously have way bigger problems coming down the pike than anything that I could help you with. And, and that's why I teach people too. I'm like, if that's not a reason to realign your expense structure and your lifestyle, I tell people all the time, like, guys, like you're already spending this money. You're just not spending it in the right area. You just have to figure out, like to your point, you have to take an assessment of your life and what you're spending. And it's like, okay, well, am I spending a lot of money on fast food, going out to restaurants, bars, clubs, et cetera? There's probably a nice chunk of change you can extract from that and just reapply it into your new healthy lifestyle. And now your health is coming up, your energy is coming up, you, you've lived better, you physically feel better. I find that when you are healthy, you attract much more success, you look more successful. It, it all gets tied back together to that healthy lifestyle component. Well, it does. And again, when I when I work with clients and you know, I say, let's see what's under your hood. What I love about money it's, it's just black and white. I mean, it's numbers. It's, it's math. Numbers so, don't lie. <laughs> and numbers don't lie. So that's the thing. A lot, most people won't open their hood. Either one, they're embarrassed, which, you know, no, nothing to be that embarrassed me. about. Me too. I mean, and I'd like to say, don't be embarrassed. We've all made those mistakes. We can't not know. So it takes a lot of courage. In, when I compare it to the metaphor of, of health, for example, it's like stepping on the scale. You know, if you're 50 pounds on overweight, the hardest, the hardest part is stepping on the scale and seeing you're 50 pounds overweight, because then there's all that, that self-talk and like shame and how do I get 50 pounds overweight and feeling terrible. But it takes so much effing courage to step on the scale yeah. and get the measurements. 
but you have to step on the scale if you're going to make the improvements, if you're bound and determined. And same with money is you have to step on what I call the money scale. Same thing. You have to open up your hood. Let me look at the books. And there's no shame. We've all made the same mistakes. We didn't know any better. But until you're willing to just be uncomfortable and come clean, it's the only time, this is the only place we can start. But, you know, same thing. We have to do a little diagnostic of your money, just like we do, need to do a diagnostic of your health. Well, and it, let's tie it back to something you said earlier in this show that I want to make sure I brought it back kind of full circle on, which is the power of why. This has come up so many times in the history of my show and just content that I put out there, the times I've done public speaking. I tell people all the time, you you do public speaking. You've got your own podcast. I mean, the why is so powerful. I mean, yes, and sometimes what I'm hearing from you today is that the why will sometimes apply in multiple domains. You may find that if you dig deep enough and you find the right powerful why that's been in there, you just haven't really taken the time, like to your point, like the scale, right? Like you never took the time to get on the scale. Have you ever taken the time to really sit down and really define what your why is? And then, then figure out, wow, does that why not just apply to my health or my weight, or my lifestyle goals, but also, oh, look at that. It's actually applying to my financial component of my life too. Then eventually maybe it ends up uh, rolling over into your career or your entrepreneurial aptitude or whatever it may be. But how many times do people don't take the time to really not just own their why, but even take the time to figure out what it is? Yeah. And that's a big philosophical, you know, uh, conversation and, and realization and figuring that out by all means. And, you know, when we go back to the money and scale Metaphors, for example, is that stepping on the scale, opening the hood, just getting coming clean, because what I like the scale doesn't lie, right? We no. can pretend, for example, that, you know, that we're that I weigh 105 pounds and I'm look like this and look like that. And I can pretend all day long, but the scale doesn't lie. Mm -hmm. When I step on the scale and it shows, oh, you're not 105, like in your head, you're actually 150. So and that's in the same with money. So money doesn't lie that if I can say, open up your books, we can get to truth telling very quickly. And that's really important. But what money is to get back to something you were saying, where you're saying, okay, people say they have their priorities, but since the scale, the money is a truth teller, how you spend tells me your priorities. So you can say healthy is being important, mm. but if you're drinking every single night and eating fast food, the, the priority is convenience or whatever. The priority is not health. Our money keeps us on. Money keeps you honest. Or yeah. I mean, it doesn't keep you honest, but it, it tells the truth. And if we don't look at our money, we don't talk about our money, we can make up our own bullshit and be in these stories. And the truth is, if we got back to it, that that things are far different than what's in our head or the illusion we're, we're living on, you know, for our own sake or for status and, you know, what we want to portray to others. But there's, there's, I mean, money always calls our bluff. And so the bluff will be called. We can get away with all that nonsense and, and break all the natural money laws for as long as it lasts. But there's always a moment in time where it breaks. I, I mean, I, I'll, I'm going to be perfectly transparent. I think that I need to take a time to, I got to grab the fiance. And I think we need to sit down and have a little chat with you because... I know for a fact I've been holding myself back on a few things and I've wanted to give her access to see my bank accounts. I admittedly, I'm probably feeling a little guilty. I know for a fact in my, at least in my personal account, there's definitely some things I don't have to be spending money on. I know I'm guilty of it. I just don't want to admit it because <laughs> I, there is some, especially when it comes to my adventure and my sports and my athletics, I've never held back on that. I've always just 
but if I want something, I get it. But it's like, okay, well, are you, are you trying, are you really staying true to my goals of wiping out debt? And now with the marriage thing coming up in the next year and all that, I'm like, all right, yeah, I should probably have somebody smack me around a little bit. <laughs> well, we all, we all need that a little bit. I mean, good for you. I'm, I'm just so, I, I'm, it's really cool how you're just so fully transparent. And as you're on the spot, you're noticing about yourselves like, ah, oh, darn it. Yeah. This is I tell thing. people all the time, like I love podcasting for this exact reason. Like I wasn't always this transparent. I would say that I'm transparent, but now it's like, as the show has grown and my comfort has grown with this, it's like, this is awesome because I know there's other people out there that have, that are at where you were and where I was and where I still am. And it's like, Let's be real, man. Like nobody's perfect. Everybody is in a different, I, I've been using this one more too. Everybody's at a different place in the timeline. And that's the most important thing is that life is a timeline and it's okay. You might be here and I might be here. That doesn't mean you can't get to where I am and it doesn't mean where I can't get to where you are, right? It just, it's, it comes down to what's your priorities. Uh, have you set realistic goals? Are you rewarding yourself with those goals? All these other components, right? And that's what I've, I've realized with the show too, it's like, you know what? Beautiful microphone, man. I could sit here and, and blow BS or I could be completely transparent and truthful. And then people know that, I, guess what? I have opportunities to improve too. And we all do. And that's part of it is when we, when we can be transparent and when we are real and when we can deal with our shortcomings or realization like, oh my gosh, now that I know that, I just, I've been screwing up all over the place. But that's the journey. That's life. It's, it's understanding. That's to me, that's the beauty of life is learning every day or, you know, and changing on the spot and, and being vulnerable and being transparent and being unperfect and, and then be excited about improving upon that. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's what growth is. And that's, that's where I'm at. Like, is. I'm actually excited about the next chapter, like at first you get, you get nervous, you get like the little bug, the little bugs in the gut. And, the, and it's like, Oh, it's like, it's you're nervous, but it's like, wait a minute. That means there's something exciting about to happen. Right. It's like, you're, you're nervous, but it's like, wait a minute, you're about to reach another level of growth. And this goes back to personal and professional development. Like again, three to five years ago, my mind might not have thought that way, but now where we are at today, this nervousness is usually uh, that early warning, like, oh, my God, we're about to reach a new level of growth. How exciting Always. is that? How and exciting. It's, we, to grow, we have to be uncomfortable, right? That's yep. what growth is. And I was reading a book recently. It's uh, The Secret Art of Not Giving a Fuck, I guess is the name of the Ooh, book. Oh, I got to get that book. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> it's just you. There's so many gems and nuggets in this book that it's it's really good. In fact, I'm going to listen to it again. But it, one of the, you know, one thing he says, and I wish I could articulate it exactly, but he said something along the lines of, of people don't want to suffer, but the, that's what growth is. It's amount of suffering that you have to suffer through to get growth on the other side. So if you're not willing to suffer, if you're not willing to be uncomfortable, there is no growth. I mean, that's what that is. That's what success is. That's what's on the other side is suffering through it. But we're not willing to suffer. We're not willing to be uncomfortable. We're not willing to be transparent. We're not willing to be vulnerable because that's too scary. It's too much suffering. It's it's too much, what do people think of me? But the only way for quantum leap type growth is exactly what you're talking about. It's just, it's painful, right? It's painful to admit our mistakes. Oh, yeah. it's, it's 
that vulnerability feels horrible, but it's the only way to get to the other side. The one that's one thing that again I tie back to that life-changing experience when I was out west serving as a wildland firefighter, right? Like you had to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, yes. whether you liked it or not. Listen, guys, this is gonna happen. We're going in there. Get comfortable with it because there's no backing out. And it's just and if you could take that and transpire that into the rest of your life, like we are discussing here, it's like, guys, like the more times you get yourself into uncomfortable situations, the easier it will become. And then chapters like we are, you and I are talking about right now when it comes to money and everything else, like the more times you get uncomfortable, the more it's going to get softer. It's going to get easier. The walls will come down faster. You'll, you'll step into these uh, places of being vulnerable easier. Come on, please. When I got back from firefighting, before I even met her, there was no vulnerability. I was still Mr. Tough Guy. Like, walls were up. Trust me, she helped me realize that because she broke up with my ass for, like, three months because I was, like, such a being a moron. And then I I took all that energy of self-work and poured it into romantic self-work to find her out. I was like, why? I was like, did I even give her a chance? Did I even give us a chance? Like, Scott, start softening up, man. Like, this is stupid. (laughs) So. Well, that's really awesome. I mean, yeah. that's that's so great. I mean, you're amazing. And just a few things and more things to complete the the one thought we started on, just really because you're getting married. And I really, like I said, I love having these conversations with couples. I can tell. Married. Yeah, this is a good well, thing. Because, yeah, well, it just can help so much because money is a point of conflict or it can be a point, part of power. Like money is part of the three-legged stool. We're I mean, still money- kind of like a little bit of a conflict. I'm still, yeah, I'm yeah. still being a little bit of a dumbass. That's and me. it will be, but you know, so part of the framework is what our promises around money, what our philosophies about money, what's our psychology. Let's talk about our upbringing and just putting those on the table. Then there's proficiencies too. So where, when we when we have different proficiencies in money, which you guys do, it sounds like you grew up one way and she grew up another. Mm-hmm. Maybe she has a different understanding and knowledge with money. So when one feels maybe starts to feel less than the other because they think they know less and there's defensiveness and there's all this other stuff that naturally comes. But the proficiency piece is like, well, let's just be equally proficient. You came up from a CPA background and I came from these, but let's just figure out how to get on the same page. Like an equal understanding. You teach me what you know, I teach us. So let's go for a money class or a money workshop where we're sharing the same proficiency. And it doesn't have to be rocket science. I mean, the proficiency that I teach, sometimes I have a wife that's a CPA and a husband that's a firefighter, mm-hmm. let's say in that example. So one, you know, the firefighter feels feels insecure, feels like he doesn't have the proficiency she has because she's a CPA. But the proficiency just means, no, we share this equal understanding. And because I have, I'm a CPA doesn't mean I know anymore. I just know how to put it in books a certain way. But when it comes to our money life, we have an equal proficiency. Hmm. So it's just, but it's learning a common framework. And so the proficiency, then we need a plan for money. What is our plan? What is, you know, what, what, you know, one plan part is paying off debt. Another plan is to save this, you know, to start finding out our future freedom number. Another plan is filling these different buckets, our education bucket, our dreams bucket, our rainy day bucket to make sure we have those buckets because savings and investings are different and understanding those differences. And then it's understanding what's the process. We need a process. How are we going to reconcile our money? How are we going to make sure it's a regular part of our, our marriage and our conversation? We don't let build up. Like what is, do we talk about it once a week and reconcile, but we need a money process. We need a money practice. Who's going to do what? What is the practice? Do we have a date night to talk about it? Who's doing the books? Who's going to, you know, who's, what is the practice to make sure we have a regular oh, I'm, I'm literally at the point where 
in Africa, I brought this up. I told her I was willing to do anything to finally get this, get past this little hurdle of our, of mind, like my, the mental thing, right? The vulnerability yep. thing. I was like, listen, babe, it's like, if, if you want, even though I had good friends of mine tell me I should never do this, I was like, I will give you access to my accounts and you can go see what I was doing. I still can't believe I said that. Um, <laughs> but I was like, uh, it's still kind of- How much wine was involved in that one? We we were in the France Shook wine country of South Africa. <laughs> so there was a lot of wine. Exactly, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, I had just made a fire out on the patio of the, of the, of the apartment we were renting in France Shook wine country and- yeah, there was at least two bottles down, uh, but it got it got the wall to come down. That's so. right, it did. Obviously, absolutely. Yeah, but it sounds like wine, if I work wine, with you, wine and money wait date nights, I highly recommend. Right? Just okay, some- it sounds like date nights a good idea. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I do need a little wine to help. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so is, is that a standard protocol? Like if, if people book uh, time, do you yes. actually put like, Hey, thanks for booking time with me. Uh, just, so you know, you might need a little wine to help with this. I don't know. I need to add that in. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> Have at least one glass down before you guys get on the call. <laughs> yeah. we're, not, we're not promoting alcohol consumption. No, we're just saying no. that some of us might need a little of it. So exactly. <laughs> So real quick, I'll fill it. So there's a practice. Then we need a pact around money. So what's our pact, our agreement? Like, okay, we agreed that we're just not going to go throw, me, throw money on a credit card without a conversation. Mm. We have a pact that we both have our, our, little, um, uh, our little funds. And so, for example, Scott has his little bit of monthly money where you can spend it on whatever you want and she doesn't care and she has her little bit of money and she gets to spend it. And that way you don't care. But that's a pact that we both have our little like selfish spending allowances. Like a, f- a fun fund. Yeah, yeah, like a fun fund. But it's yeah. your you have yours and you have hers. It's separate from everything so that there's no questioning. Right. And we all need that. We need to feel like we have a little independence on just free spending on something. And it could be a couple hundred dollars a month. It could be a couple thousand. It doesn't matter. You get oh, to yeah. establish. I, I'm very independently wired. I'm going to go ahead and agree with that. Yeah, that's, yeah, but we need a pack. Like, what's yeah. the pack? You know, what what are different money packs? You know, or kind of our own rules that we're establishing for marriage, and and build these in to your vows and to your marriage conversation as you get married. And then, you know, it's really moving towards a partnership. Like money is a partnership. Marriage is a partnership. And if you have a business partner, you guys are going to be talking money, right? I mean, mm-hmm. profitability. You're going to be having these conversations. Well, it's the true. Partner- she has her business, and I have my business, but. You know. Then your marriage is a business and yeah. people don't like it when I say this, your household finance, not your marriage is a business, but your household finances is a business. And just like you're looking for a profit in your business and she's looking for a profit in her business and you're both putting this money in your, your household fund, mm-hmm. your, your combo fund, your financial, your money in your household needs to become a business because the goal of the money household is for profit too. And profit oh, we're, is- we're already, we already, I understand that. Mm-hmm. Right. I, don't, I don't think she completely understands that yet, but I mean, because uh, we, we literally, I've been renting out, so we have a giant garage. I've, I've already monetized two thirds of that building into car, uh, antique car storage. Um, the upstairs of this house was split off years ago. It's our great grandmother's house. So we have a renter up there that covers the mortgage. Awesome. And yep. then eventually we will then move to a slightly bigger, she wants bigger mm-hmm. space, but I'm like, we're not going that much bigger because I don't need that much space. It's just two right. of us and a dog. But then eventually we'll be able to rent the first floor out here. And then this entire property will be monetized, the garage, both floors of the house. And then we want to get into, as you've hinted on your website, you know, the whole real estate thing. 
Mm-hmm. It's one of my master goals. We watch HGTV well, right, all the time. Yeah, but that's that's the <laughs> partnership piece that you guys are in this conversation. We can monetize this and move it here and do it there. Where we're going to do next. Yeah. But marriage can be a power partnership if we think about it that way. There's the romance piece in that. We don't lose. Oh no, that. I, I definitely want power couple status. Yes. Yeah, but the very power couple status, <laughs> and that's the partnership. And then really the next, the the you know the what's layered around that are the people because as you know. If you really are after a great life and a great marriage, a lot of people want to pull you down. A lot of people want, you know, if you guys are happy in building, there's a lot of people in old relationships or friendships or whatever that can be a little bit threatening or because they don't like that you guys are happy. They don't, it feels like a threat. So really how we amplify our life is by really um, inviting people in, establishing relationships. So other people are very important to the marriage. And then all of that sits on the fulcrum of purpose. What is the purpose of our marriage? Why you, why me, why us together? You know, we could, there's 10 million other people out there we can choose from. Why, why us? And really to go into it with, with established purpose. And when you have the 10 P's to power couple, you have a framework of all these different things to talk about and to grow through and to journey through. And it just keeps the marriage really in a, you know, in a uh, moving in a direction where you're just, you're inventing as you go along, according to some agreements that are pre-established before you go in, because when it's just romanticized and money breaks the romance very quickly, then, you know, once that sort of that romantic notion has gone and it becomes real hard life, if we don't have some of these things already established, you know, it, it can be a lot, there can be a lot of friction. And I completely, I can, uh, I can back that up 110%. So, I mean, I can literally quote her at one point in Africa. She's like, listen, I just want you to be here with me and be the happy fiance on an adventure with me. She's like, I don't want you to worry about any kind of money concerns and stuff like that. So it's like, so hearing that line come out of her, I was like, okay. All right, this is it just amplified me to want to want to solve this even stronger. That's awesome. Well, you're amazing and she's lucky and you're lucky. She's amazing. I'm just the pain in the ass guy that for some reason she chose. Well, part of the reason why she chose you is because you just want to grow and learn and become and become better and appreciate her and do something with this. And that's big, right? That's you don't get a man that's that willing to to want to grow and be vulnerable and be open and be transparent. So I hear. I mean, I don't know. Apparently, I'm pretty weird now. I don't know. (laughs) But in a good way. In a good way. In a good way. In a great way. I got great feedback from you, ladies. So it's like, okay, I just got to remind her of that, and I'm good. Well, I mean, listen, this has been a powerful episode. Oh my God, I've been having. I lost track of how much time we've been on here. We we just we crossed the hour window here. So. I want to respect your time, obviously, too, and I, and uh, it actually looks like it's finally getting dark out there. So I know, I've got but, a I, although it's still probably what seventy five degrees, so it's it is. It's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty yeah lovely, you're yeah. fine. <laughs> well, I mean, so again, to our listeners, what I have not because I've been traveling, I haven't had a chance to even listen to one of your podcasts yet. So I actually, I just marked it on my phone here because it's under the same name, right? It's still wealthy, wealthy. It's Wealthy Wealthy Life, yeah. Yeah, so, Wealthy Wealthy so. Life is the name of the podcast. Yes. So again, yes. listeners, again, it's Wealthy Wealthy dot Life is the website, but Wealthy Wealthy Podcast, check it out because she's got everything integrated into the website. So you've done a great job, by the way, on that. Um, and then the money courses we've been discussing, everything you and I were just discussing, is that something that's on there as well? Because I saw the Accelerator Debt Elimination, the Mindful Money, the Power Collective. Is that what you're talking about, the Power Collective? Is that the one that's more couples? Yeah, Power Couples. Yeah. Okay, yep. interesting. Right. So... Cool. So 
I told you this last time you and I chatted, but when a new co-host comes on, well, really all the co-hosts, um, you guys get to close us out with whatever kind of powerful words you want to share, big picture thinking, whatever it means that you think, hey, these listeners, if they don't remember anything else from today's show that you and I have discussed, they can at least remember this message that you're leaving behind because this is something that I really call out in the blog content. I want to make sure people really see your words and what you're bringing to the table. So I just want to know, you know, how would you like to close us out with some final words to our listeners? Well, really where I like to close out is for people to do an exercise. And we already discussed this is add up the totality of all your payments, put those in a financial calculator, compounded, I don't know, at an eight, nine, 10%. And just look at how much money you'd be worth at the end of a 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, and 40 years, if you were to pay yourself and invest that money instead of paying the banks. And that's just, it can be so simple, but so revealing. Like we don't understand what we're giving up and how we're sabotaging our financial futures, futures and robbing ourselves of that freedom we all want by virtue of being victims to good marketing and this cultural norm that debt's okay. And that's why I do have the debt elimination course on my, on my website, because that's an exact methodology for how to get out of debt rapid fast. And it's a know-how. It's just an exact system. And, and you know, for anybody in debt, I always recommend that. And then, you know, for, for Mindful Money, that's just a money course to learn the basics of money and my framework for, for how to manage your money and just completely turn your life around and get, you know, move from financial fear to really financial stability and then financial freedom. And, you know, just my advice is to anything good in life, we need to learn, we need to learn about it. And it's always, we always have to feel uncomfortable when we learn new things and money's included. So I don't, there's so much online, just go online and start reading a little bit about money. There's a lot of great bloggers. Obviously my place is one place to go, but there's really, there's no shortage of information on how to just start learning about some of the money basics so we can get our money life on track just like every other life every other part of life we want to get on track well i loved your final reminder there on the whole there is no shortage of information again ladies and gentlemen i mean I did not always know Christina, okay? So she just dumped a world of knowledge on you, and I've already been studying so many other people, and she's just one more new influencer in my life and now your lives as well. So that's the point, guys. I mean, go to check out Wealthy Wealthy. The second wealthy is W-E-L-L-T-H-Y dot life as the website. Check out the podcast. Like, start even if it's just one episode, take one episode, read one blog article. You don't have to conquer the world today, but as she's hinted, there's a wealth of information out there, but you have to take action. Stop blaming others, okay? Take accountability for your life. I, I could personally be transparent. You've heard it today. Like I have no problem admitting I've had to take accountability for my actions. If I want to grow and succeed as I continue down the road, we have to own our shit. <laughs> that's, that's how a better way I could put well it. Um well, you know what, Scott, if, if you'd like, I'll offer this to your audience. Yes. Well, people can go to my, my website they, and, or even Amazon and buy my book. But I, I mean, I can just tell you, you must have an incredible audience. So I'm willing to offer my, a digital copy of my book for free for download to your audience. That'd be and awesome. So I can send you a link afterwards. I mean, you can go to Falling for Money. I'll, I'll have to give you a link, but we can put that in the show notes if you like, if you like. And yeah, I was going to say, I've had people do that before. They'll do like a wealthy, wealthy dot life slash like live the fuel or whatever. I don't know. Like whatever yes. you, yeah. we could figure something out. Um, and then I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. So to our listeners, uh, when we go off air here, we'll figure that out. 
I'll make sure that's noted in the actual show notes because again, this is, it comes down to it's education. I love that. Thank you for the offer because I think that's important to the, to the audience out there because sometimes it takes just that one knowledge piece, that one chapter, that one book to finally get that ball moving. And um, I know there's, there's been countless books over the years that's helped me move so many things in the right direction. So thank you for that offer. That's awesome. Well, you're welcome. I, I uh, would be honored to to share it with you and your listeners. Oh, I'm going to share the crap out of it. <laughs> so, well, listen, hang tight. I want to give you a proper goodbye. To our listeners, guys, okay, Christina has been an amazing co-host today. I've already said this multiple times. Go check out WealthyWealthy.life. Check out the podcast as well. Um, as she just hinted, we've got a great offer for you guys. So make sure you go to LiveTheFuel.com and check out this episode. And I will have this this linked in the show notes for you guys. I'll definitely going to take advantage of it. I hope you do as well. So again, thanks for listening in, ladies and gentlemen. This is another Live The Fuel podcast. Again, we're here to fuel your health, your business, your lifestyle. Have a great day, a great night. I'll talk to you guys again soon. Hey there, Live The Fuel fans. Quick commercial break. Uh, before we close out the episode, just wanted to give you some extra tips and tricks before we send you on your way. So again, thank you again for listening to the Live The Fuel show. I hope you got a lot out of this recent episode. Uh, more importantly, please subscribe to this show if you haven't subscribed yet. Stay in touch. Get me some feedback. Submit a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And get us yet the voice of you, the listener, so we can build this content back into the show and make sure that I'm actually taking you, the listener, into this uh, design and future as Live the Fuel grows. So again, subscribe, submit a review, stay in touch. Heck, on that point, go visit livethefueltank.com, livethefueltank.com. That will take you to the link to our private Facebook group community where you can join and I can stay more in touch with you going forward outside of the podcast world. All right, last quick little piece here for you guys, some extra value. One, Go to livethefuel.com main page. You'll see on there we have our free resources guide. If you are looking for free content and not having to pay for it, consider getting on my email list. You click on the button, send me my copy, get your Super 7's resources guide. There's over 21 of my favorite online resources that I've built into this little uh, electronic guide for you guys. There's no cost. It'll just be emailed to you just by hopping on my email. Again, just thank you for listening. I want to give you some value. Uh, second piece of my little extra nuggets of knowledge, if you want to call it this, is go to the resources section on the site. In there, I have three columns, health, business, lifestyle, and two right off the bat that I want to make sure you guys are taking advantage of is number one, eatpillynuts.com and number two, villacapelli.com. Their logos are on the site. You got a big bowl of nuts there and you got a cool big V Power V logo. Both of those, if you use the discount code FUEL, F-U-E-L, you will get 10% off at checkout. So take advantage of that, please, and thank you. And more importantly, there's other companies linked on there. Uh, my nutritional and health alignment with Isogenics since 2010. Uh, the Pure Vitamin Club Company for their kick-ass magnesium B12 and an awesome multi-cap. There's some additional business resources on there. Number one, Singularis IT. I go mountain biking and road cycling with the founder. This is a legitimate IT company. I don't care where you are in the world, you can use their services. We're talking about serious white glove level services. I've moved all of my IT solutions over to them and I outsource them regularly for any future and onboarding clients down the road. And lastly, but not leastly, David Studio. If you have no clue who this guy is, guess what? He is my new audio engineer. This is the guy I've been having making it happen behind the scenes. I found him through the Fiverr world. So if you search for David 
D-A-V-I-D studio on Fiverr, you can track this guy down. But guess what? He's also on the Upwork platform. He's on the People Per Hour platform. You can search for him through his real name. I've never literally physically met this guy or talked to him in person. We have been just met through the online world. But if you search for E-M-I-N, that's I believe pronounced Emin, and uh, Fikik, which is F as in Frank, I-K-I-C, you can search for him in Upwork people per hour. Oh, more importantly, just go to Fiverr like I did. But if you are a podcaster or somebody just looking to get quality audio engineering, this is your guy. So again, guys, I'll let you get back to your day. Thanks again for listening to Live the Fuel. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for listening to Live the Fuel. Visit us at livethefuel.com. Stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more at Live the Fuel. Live the fired up epic life. Hashtag Live the Fuel.